Welcome, I'm Linda Apps, and you've found the Yoga Nook podcast, meditations on life, health and yoga. Today I'm talking to senior Iyengar yoga teacher Garth McLean about practicing yoga with courage and caution to manage his multiple sclerosis. Everyone can practice yoga, you just need the right props. You'll find them at www.iyogaprops.com.au. So, Garth, yeah. uh, tell me, can you tell me how you got into doing Iyengar yoga in the first place? I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 1996, and uh, when I was lying in a hospital bed, I asked my doctor, what do I do? I was a little freaked out. Uh, I was in my mid-30s. Uh, and uh, he suggested doing yoga, I'm sure probably for the stress levels and to keep the body active, and swimming to keep the body cool. Uh, a friend of mine had recommended Iyengar yoga, luckily, uh, because at that point I wasn't able to walk. I was having difficulty lifting my legs, well, my right leg especially. I had lost feeling in my arms, had gone basically numb with a numb, tingling feeling from head to toe. And How was that making you feel? Aside from the overwhelming depression and uncertainty and anxiety, I was I, of the belief that I thought I might be dying. Uh, so it kind of forced me to look at my own mortality. But beyond that, which was even a little scarier, is if I don't die and I can't feel my body for the rest of my life, that to me is almost more frightening. So when uh, he recommended this, I thought, okay, well, I at first was uncertain that it would actually help. I had chosen at that point not to go on the ongoing medications. I had done the uh, protocol of steroids, intravenous steroids, to reduce the swelling in my spinal cord. And it seemed to start to help. I was My body was responding. And so... After I got out of the hospital, I got out of the hospital on a Saturday and I stumbled into the Iyengar Yoga Institute with the help of a friend on Tuesday, so it was within about 48 hours, and I started yoga in the Iyengar tradition and never looked back. It's been fantastic. So. And you must be a fairly rare individual to take it on like that, to come out of hospital one day and be in the Yoga Institute the next I guess fear is a big motivating factor for many people, uh, certainly was for me. And being a young guy, I wasn't ready to just roll over and go, okay, let me just take the drugs, let me just do this and that. And I'm not saying to anybody to not take the drugs, but my particular choice was let me see if I can you know, manage this on a reasonable level that I can maintain my mobility and ability and my body responded. So I was very lucky. And I guess luck, yes, does play a part of it. But I was also very motivated. Yes. And to, dedicated by the sounds of it. Well, when I started to feel this could actually work, it's like there's, it offered a glimmer of hope. And I'm not saying that it's a cure, uh, but it certainly offered me some feedback. I was starting to feel my body again. The steroids are initially helped with that. And then after a few weeks of a dedicated practice, going to class daily, I just kind of took it on. I was like, if I'm going to try something, I have to give it a go, really. 
rather than just going to one or two classes and seeing if that's going to change my life and you know allow me to go out dancing you know I knew that wasn't the case you know common sense reasoned common sense so did you have would you say that you had faith in the practice from an early I um, I think the faith started to be developed after a couple of weeks and seeing tangible results you know uh, Gita Engar has often said that if you have positive doubt it at least allows you to look into the subject if you have negative doubt then well you have negative doubt forget it nothing's gonna work so it's like anything if you ha and I often talk to people about what Guruji used to call the yoga vitamins BKS Iyengar used to call the yoga vitamins um, enumerated by Patanjali which is faith vigor memory and the power of absorption um, in the 20th Sutra, the first chapter of the Yoga Sutras. And, you know, you have to have a little faith in what you're doing for it to have any kind of impact. It doesn't matter if it's yoga or if you're going to the gym and you want to have big biceps or you're, you know, going to get plastic surgery. You want to have a little faith that what you're going to do is going to have the result that you want. And with that is to have the, hopefully, the common sense to go, okay, I have to give it more than one or two tries you know, to really give it your all to really see what's there. And is that what now you're traveling the world and, and teaching MS work workshops to people who are dealing with having multiple sclerosis? Do you notice, are there, is there a lack of that faith? Is it a rare uh, thing? Well, I wouldn't say it's a lack. Uh, in some places there is. You're in a consumer environment. And I've noticed in some centers, some places, People come in, certainly with their hopes and expectations, um, which we all have, of any action that we take. But if we have kind of that consumer mentality of, if I come in, I'm going to plop down my 20 bucks or my whatever it is, I want a direct result immediately. And, you know, it's like when you go shopping. You go shopping, value for value. I'm putting out 20 bucks, I want $20 worth of value in what I want to cure myself of an incurable disease. So again, common sense has to come into play. So it's not necessarily you're going to come to a yoga class, like I said, and go out dancing or um, have this expectation that you're going to be able to walk without any kind of uh, impediment necessarily day one. However, on the flip side of that is then you see people who come in with doubt and there was one lady who had come to a class I had done last year in Adelaide with a fair amount of doubt, I would say. I mean, well-intentioned. She came in in a wheelchair, uh, had been in a chair for 25 years. So it was very introductory initially, what we're doing. And certainly when we look at Iyengar Yoga, Mr. Iyengar has given us some insight into what things are going to help with immune function, nerve function. One of the things that's helped with me are inversions. So one of the first things that I kind of look towards is how do we get the practitioner onto the road, the path to inversions to see if that gives some help. So getting back to this lady, the initial class that we had done, others who were a little more able, I had them on the floor with their legs up the wall, just that simple action. Her legs weren't working. And she said, no, 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 I don't want to do it. I was like, okay, I don't want to push her. And then once the others were, got onto the floor and they were doing, she said, you know, maybe I can try that. So we got her out of her chair and onto the floor safely. 
got her legs up the wall, tied her, bound her legs together, you know, as we often do in the Iyengar tradition, put, put some weight onto her feet to kind of get some feedback from the peripheral nerves. And the next day, I mean, she was fine with it. She was totally okay. The next day, her friend who had brought her said she was feeling something, which was great. She's not going to, you know, have the disillusion that she's going to get out of her wheelchair the next day, but she's like, I started to feel something in my legs. I got an email from her about three months later that she is continuing to go to yoga. She's going once or twice a week, which is fine. And she loves getting out of the chair. And she, in her email, she said, I was the scared one who was afraid to get out of the chair. And I can't tell you the impact that yoga's had on my life. And when I do this, she gets this incredible urge to run. So not that she's going to ever necessarily do that. She might. Uh, we don't want to close the door to possibility. But if nothing else, it's giving some, not false hope, but some sense of relief that it's not over yet. I still have feeling in my legs. And similar stories, you know, I can recount from some... And at least even that sensation that you could run is a, is a good sensation to have. Yeah, so I mean, it's... A, to run. Yeah, it's a positive... Response. response to the yoga and again not to create any false hope but it's like I'm not I'm not just bound to this chair there's not, nothing I can do I'm just going to I'm not condemned I'm, yeah I'm going to be able to at least feel my legs and you know um, there was another lady who had come to one class on the complete opposite spectrum of that had come to one complete class we had been doing some things similar to what I just told you with you know getting her get the legs up the wall and about after 30 minutes she said you know I don't really feel this has any this could have any impact on my life so therein lies the negative doubt it's like okay well if you really don't feel that that's your choice I'm not going to force you I'm not trying to sell you something that is that you don't want to buy but again it was kind of that consumer mentality and she left and I said you know if you, you can certainly have your money back it's not about the money it wasn't about that at all but hopefully you can get onto the yoga practice she never came back she just kind of discounted the yoga because she'd gone to one class and she wasn't getting out of her wheelchair and walking to her car unfortunate you know and maybe that's my perceived perception uh, you know my perception of what she was saying but by the same token I understand feeling discouraged I understand all of that but again, having a little bit of faith, a little bit of positive doubt, let me look into this beyond 30 minutes. Let me look into this beyond an hour. Maybe come to a few classes and see, once you start to work, maybe you'll have that same experience like the lady, young lady in Adelaide did, where she could feel her legs again. Again, not to put her into a state of false hope, but you know, in her email to me, she said she just is loving life and she's feeling like she's alive again after 25 years of being bound to a chair. So. And that's the thing. If, it, if yoga can't cure it, it can help you endure it, and it can exactly. help you manage the disease. Right. And, you know, everybody has their survival strategies whenever we are faced with a challenge. And I'm also of the belief that you don't have to change your life to incorporate yoga or Iyengar yoga, but maybe it will help enhance your life. Now, often a lot of people are, hear that yoga is good for them, and I believe it is good, um, but I have to really stress the importance of doing Iyengar yoga, 
so that it can be adapted to the practitioner's ability. For instance, there was a young man I met this week who was diagnosed with MS, has turned into secondary progressive nature of the disease. I have her lapsing and remitting. I'll talk to you about that in a moment. Um, but he was saying to me he does sun salutations every morning and he's having trouble lifting his leg up. What can he do yoga-wise? So you know, I expressed to him as kindly as possible that maybe the sun salutations aren't exactly the best thing to be doing at this point right now to see if we can get some feeling back and recover the use of the leg. So we don't, we don't put ourselves in harm, harm's way. We don't make matters worse. But how can we use this as a strategy to enhance what you're already doing? And also to perhaps lessen the pain that is to come or the suffering Absolutely. that is to come. The heim dukum anagatum. The pains of the future are and can be avoided, are meant to be avoided through the practice of yoga. Uh, so who were your teachers? Uh, my your initial teacher, teacher I, when I stumbled into the Iyengar Institute in Los Angeles, was Karin O'Bannon. Um, Karin has passed away. God bless her. Um, and she was very encouraging when I came in, was very welcoming, um, strict, disciplined, in a compassionate way, and helped me open up the door to possibility. And when I started feeling my body again, and I could feel the impact the yoga was actually having, um, I was sold. There was no question. Then I moved on to work with Manuso Manos, and then eventually got myself to India. Um, and when I first met Mr. Iyengar, and I expressed to him the profound effect the yoga had been having on my body, and asked him a little bit further about the MS, uh, his words to me, among many things, were, every day you must walk the line between courage and caution. And those words continue to resonate in my practice to be courageous enough to take action, but cautious enough to respect what's going on in the body. So like for myself, as I mentioned a few moments ago, I have relapsing and remitting MS. So I think it was very beneficial that there was an early intervention with the yoga so that it wouldn't, wouldn't turn into a more progressive nature of the disease, which it can at any time. But I think if you take care of yourself and keep the muscle fibers working, keep the nerve fibers working, so they don't forget what their job is with courage and caution that you can hopefully overcome and avoid the pains of the future, which can and are to be avoided through the yoga practice. A little bit of faith, a little bit of memory. And that's where it's also a, a, a spiritual practice if you want to describe it that way right. because it's that walking that fine line and getting to really understand yourself that helps us grow as human beings. As human beings. And we don't have to necessarily limit that to... I mean, in my particular instance, I discovered yoga through a potentially disabling disease. Um, the fear of an attack is always present there. You know, I, if I don't do my practice, I notice a difference. There's no question about it. Days that I'm really tired or I can't, my leg is not working 100%, I'll modify the practice, adapt the practice according to what's happening that particular day rather than just pushing through and doing my sun salutations on a day when my leg's not working 100%, and in fact, doing violence or a little bit harm, of harm to the body. So again, it kind of all those sutras that Patanjali talks of, they, they also resonated with me. 
So it became more than, yes, just a physical practice. Physical practice is definitely there, and that's what brought me to it. But the sutras really, and the philosophy behind it, and Guruji's encouragement, and Gita's encouragement, really supported and underpinned the, the depth of the subject. And that's what's kept keeps me going. Kept me going and keeps me going. You know, fear still keeps me going a little bit, too, because I don't want to ever fall back into that relapse or let the condition overtake and so what, what would do. you recommend for someone who has just been diagnosed with MS like I would find out um, from their doctor you know first to have their doctor's insight on it and that I would suggest you know getting to an Iyengar yoga teacher I would probably first do it you know with MS itself or with anything, really. But with MS specifically, uh, the immune system is it's having an immune response. And so the immune system with MS is attacking the central nervous system. So essentially there's a little storm going on inside the body. The nerves have been attacked. They're feeling a little bit weak. And so I generally would start with some supine asanas, some restorative asanas to give the nerves a break because they've been under attack. So once we first get the nervous system to quiet down a little bit, is then, okay, then what can I do? So I'm not pouncing on the nerves to now then begin to maybe work into some supported asanas, starting with some inversions, like this young man that came the other day, and we did a little Supta Bhattakonasana, Supta Virasana, which he was actually keen to do, and he did well. Then, you know, just got the legs up the wall, so we started to get it familiar with the idea of getting his legs up and, and um, starting him on the path of the inversions mm-hmm. a little bit and then we got him to stand up got into the chair did a few you know simple twists in the chair then with the back against the wall standing against the wall he was able to you know standing up fine did a couple of very supported standing poses first anterior facing so he wasn't so the front body is facing the support have the back body to support as well so if you have between two uh, trestles or a wall and a trestle so that you're feeling safe and protected to be able to start to work the body in a fashion that you're not overtaxing the body but getting the muscles and the nerve fibers to stand up so they don't forget their job just keep connecting with each other yeah and if I haven't mentioned again that with relapsing and remitting is to have that early intervention to really keep things moving so it doesn't go into that state of inertia and then it's so much harder to climb out of that is it related also to the neural pathways is it important to I would say so like the various nadis of the body that was discussed in yoga the nerve channels um, and to also incorporate the use of the breath depending on the on the degree of the challenge that is presented with the student You know, if they're in a chair and they can't do much, they may be able to just move their arms around a little bit and do some very simple pranayama. People who are, you know, I've worked with people with ALS and Parkinson's and some with, uh, unfortunately, who had taken some of these controversial drugs, which are immune suppressants, which is why I didn't want to do that. Um, And it suppressed their immune system so much, they've developed secondary diseases, some of which are fatal. And so uh, this one lady I've worked with has PML, which is progressive multifocal leukoencephalopathy, 
Now, I'm not a doctor, but it's left her, it's affected her brain um, because the immune system was suppressed so much. Now, I don't know the exact, um, all the dynamics of what that disease is other than I know what the results are. And she's lost the ability to talk. She can't move anymore. Aside, if I move her body around, we can move the body around. And unfortunately, it's 99% fatal. But she still wants to be able to do as much as she can in her body while she's still existing in that body. And it brings her some joy, some simple joy. And you can change her state of mind. You can help her with her state of mind. Yeah, and she... By the shape you put her body in. Yeah, and she loves it. She loves being able to do Vrikshasana on the floor or Trikhanasana on the floor, which, you know, the brilliance of Guruji's work was if people can't stand up, well, they can still do the asanas on the floor, you know, and doing various things and getting her into putting weights on the thighs um, has been really helpful. So I don't know if that answered the question about what to do with, like, the more beginning student. And Um, um, I just wanted to ask you, um, can you describe your own symptoms and your journey back from that? Sure. I mean, my... I've had a, a wide range of symptoms. When I first was diagnosed, I, as I was saying, I'd lost feeling. It's like my legs were numbing and tingling. Uh, actually, it started in my right arm. Then it went over to my left arm, down throughout my feet, throughout my legs and torso, and it get, kept getting progressively worse over the course of a month. When it went into my face and skull and I'd lost feeling, I'd gone numb from head to toe. That's when I ended up going to the doctor, going to the hospital. I'd done some tests, but I was a little freaked out. Um, I've had the, uh, where I can't lift my right leg up, and it's better. My white, right leg is still my weaker side. I have had the MS hug, where it feels like it's a spasticity that happens in the abdominal region. It feels like you're being squeezed, like you're in a vice grip. It just keeps getting tighter, and it's hard to breathe. So supported chest openers are really great for that. Um, the a symptom where you turn the head in a downward motion or sideways motion where you get electrical charges throughout your spine. I've had loss of bowel control, loss of urinary control. Students don't often talk about that, but it's something that I like to address when I'm working with people because people are embarrassed to talk about that. I've had optic neuritis where I've lost sight in my right eye, legally blind for about 11 weeks. And it went to my left eye, got that back into remission, which was great very happy about that and um, so that must be terrifying to be it's very terrifying and the the easy thing when that happens is to go nobody else knows what I'm doing let me do nothing or let me hide um, and so what I've done is as before I was doing teaching yoga I worked in the entertainment industry and I'm still an actor um, I don't act as much anymore but I just did a one-person play which I wrote an autobiographical journey about this. And I found that... What was it called? The it's, it's called Looking for Lightning. Um, there's, you know, I, spoiler alert, I won't say why lightning, but lightning itself, in and of itself, there's that light that comes and maybe recharges electrical thing and maybe you can be enlightened through the lightning. Uh, but I, what I found in talking to people, not just with MS, but anywhere around the world... This was initially written out of an exercise about the terror attacks on the World Trade Center in New York in, in uh, 2001. And, and you thought, wrote this. I wrote this as in response to that because I thought I've had my own personal 9-11, my own personal terror attack. And 
when we are attacked or the potential of an attack is present, you know, do we become immobilized with our fear or do we summon that courage, that strength, that faith, pick ourselves up and carry on? And I think that's what's had a res- you know had some resonance with people beyond it being a play about yoga or a play about a person with MS. But what do we face in our life as a challenge, whatever that challenge may be, that might immobilize us? And how do we face that? How do we overcome that? I think the path of yoga has been a very powerful path in order to help with that. And can you just elucidate again on the vitamins of yoga and how they might help? Oh, sure. I often refer to the 20th Sutra, the first chapter written by Patanjali, the Shraddha Virya Smirti Samadhi Pradna Pravatai I believe is the Sanskrit. I might be wrong. If there's a Sanskrit scholar out there, please, you can let me know. <laughs> but basically it's uh, faith, having faith, vigor, memory, and the power of absorption to really become involved in the subject in order to overcome our adversities or overcome our complacencies and hopefully carry on so that we can keep the pains of the future away. So. And so you're very busy now traveling the world in teaching MS workshops as well as Iyengar uh, yoga workshops. Yep. I mean, it's all Iyengar yoga. And, you know, uh, what draws some people to the subject is the fact that I'm a person who has MS. I've had very good results. I don't do any drugs anymore. Um, or, I mean, I, medication um, or drugs. And uh, I've had good results because when I have decided to do that, my doctor, uh, our agreement is we do an MRI once a year to have a look at the lesions on my brain. So when we compared 2005 to 2001, the lesions on my brain are still there, but they've reduced in number and size. So the disease is still present or dis-ease. And then when we compare 2012 to 2011, once again, the lesions have appeared to have reduced in number and size. And there's been no abnormal activity. And my doctor in Los Angeles and my doctor in Pune, India, have both said this is very uh, incredible, amazing results. These are incredible, amazing results, especially for someone who doesn't do any medication. So keep doing what you're doing. And what I do is I do inversions minimum 30 minutes a day, every day. And it's easy to go, oh, I don't have time to do my yoga practice today. But if I have time to go for a coffee or hang out and complain about what I can't do, I can at least take 30 minutes or even 15 minutes to do something to help myself. And it must be working to sustain you because you're able to keep up this very busy schedule and maintain your health at the same time. Uh, Absolutely. And I, I felt really part of, you know, us as yoga teachers, certainly in the anger tradition, may feel a strong sense of duty. And I thought my duty, really, is if there's anybody in the world that I could help, whatever that means, you know, whatever that means to them, not that they're going to necessarily be running the next marathon, but who knows, but if there's anything that I can bring to them that may enhance their lives, then I think that's kind of my responsibility to do so. And that's what motivates me to to get out there and, you know, try to... Um, help the world in some small way so thank you i think that's a good point to end on thanks guys thanks so much linda thank you thanks for listening next on the yoga nooks podcast 
Pixie Lillis from Balmain Yoga School talks about never going out the door without having some yoga behind you. To find an Iyengar Yoga School near you, Google the Iyengar Yoga Association in your country. In Australia, go to iyengayoga.asn.au. That's I-Y-E-N-G-A-R-Y-O-G-A dot A-S-N dot A-U. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, go to yoganook.com.au. Thank you.